Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed, and I'm joined, as always, by my man, Mike Luciano. Mike, how you doing, buddy? What's going on? I'm feeling pretty good, mostly because we have a big interview with the probably number two Jet of record right now, one Ahmad Sauce Gardner. That is going to be coming up. Justin uh, conducted it masterfully, if I may say so myself. That is coming up in about the middle of the show. So if you want to stick around, that's when we'll get the Sauce Gardner. Before that, we're going to go and get some roster talk out of the way aren't we justin yeah that we are first of all i appreciate the kind words i guess masterful is a strong word i guess anybody else can be a judge of that but it was great now we got we got to speak with sauce Gardner. that was awesome that will be coming up in a little bit but if you want to stick around we're talking all about the jets roster breaking down position by position everything going on with the jets 53-man roster we're talking about the practice squad which is taking shape as we are speaking now we have a tracker up on the site if you want to keep up to date uh, I probably will not be able to update the tracker very much while we're doing the show, but I'll do my best. Uh, but yeah, first, Mike, you got a little, little bit of a message to, uh, to tell us first, right? Yes, sir. From our friends over at Caesars Sportsbook, because Caesars Sportsbook is kicking off the NFL season with the new bet $50, get $250 in bonus bets, limited time offer. New users can sign up with our code FSBETS, that is F-S-B-E-T-S 20 GET. It's a little, little long, but you know what? That is FSBets20GET, and you can redeem 250 big ones in bonus bets after placing your first wager of $50 on any NFL game. Even if your first bet loses, you'll receive one $50 bonus bet credit each week over the next five weeks. Pretty good deal, if I might say so myself. Make sure to enter our code FSBets20GET while signing up to have a bet on Caesars every single week for the start of the season. This offer is only available to new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. And with that, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it may be that you get your podcasts. We are on all those sites. We're on YouTube at the Jet Press, TikTok at the Jet Press. Hit those subscribe buttons there. So, Justin... Do we have any breaking news really quick? This I time? don't know. That's, that's what Brian and Chad is saying. He said, quickly check for breaking news. Because it was around this time, literally about a week ago, or exactly a week ago, uh, that Corey Davis retired. So I don't know. Are there any Jets wide receiver news? Any Anybody getting traded? What's going on? Maybe they, they trade for Mike Evans midstream? I don't know. Let's see what happens. Maybe. Well, I do know in terms of Jets wide receivers that a couple of them ended up making the 53-man roster, perhaps more than we thought. Now that the roster is pretty much finalized, I know that there's probably going to be some moving and shaking with – Thomas Morstead and Nick Bond specifically with both of them having been nominally left off the 53, but the Jets are not not going to have a punter on the roster. So I'd imagine Morstead's going to be brought back. No, no maybe, maybe it's just a roster league technicality thing. No, no punting. Only you have to go for the fourth down. That's what we're doing from now on. Do you remember that college coach who never punted? 
Yes, that was that was like D three, right? No, that was like FCS. He got hired, mm-hmm. and then the quarterback threw like thirty five interceptions in ten games because like it'd be fourth and seventeen, and he's throwing it deep. And <laughs> I mean, it kills your stats. It's a bold strategy. It kills your stats, but honestly, not the worst idea. Well, he got fired after a year, so it, yeah, it was a very bold strategy that didn't work out very well. But the Jets are going to have a punter, and they're going to have a pretty deep 53-man roster, if all things considered. I know that there's some weak points that could probably be that could probably end up being adjusted later. But in terms of surprises, two things stood out at me. And number one, we're going to do a little bit of position by position, but I want to go maybe out of order a little bit because I have to address the wide receiver room. Because when we were talking about what was going to happen after the Corey Davis retirement, the consensus was going to be at minimum five receivers probably more likely than not six receivers and they end up with seven we are discussing oh who's it going to be is it going to be Irv Charles or Jason Brownlee or Xavier Gibson and the Jets said what well, why not take all of them so right now all of them are on the roster like I don't know if Irvin Charles will be the Morstead casualty or whatnot but Jason Brownlee and Xavier Gibson and Irvin Charles all behind the nominal top four receivers that everybody knew was going to make it and were safe for a long time I'm I'm kind of surprised. I knew that we I knew that we all liked Brownlee and his ability to kind of be a a nice X receiver in the Corey Davis mold. I know Gibson had some weird moments as a returner, but he has really good speed and kind of a jittery elusiveness that I think will play well. Charles again, it's another probably height, weight, speed guy. He's a you know, big physical guy on the outside. He really surprised me, but it seems like Robert Sala, who I think called him a wolf, uh, a special teams wolf. I think that ended up probably sealing the deal here. Yeah, I think definitely the biggest takeaway, the most surprising takeaway, is the Jets carrying seven wide receivers. Of course, as we will note many times throughout this show, nothing is final. There is going to be more roster shuffling, as Mike already talked about with Thomas Morstead and Nick Bauden. They will be brought back. Um, I explained it in like a good thread on Twitter if you want to check it out. Uh, but it's basically like the Jets are going to place a couple of guys on IR, and they can't do that until after, I think, 4 p.m. today is when they can start doing that. Um, otherwise they would be out for the season. So once 4 p.m. happens, uh, I imagine they'll, you know, quickly be working on a deal to bring back Morstead and likely bought in as well. Carter Warren is a candidate to go on IR. Anybody's guess who the other one is, it could be Kenny Yaboa, who did make the 53, but he did not practice yesterday. So maybe him. Did, uh, what, really quick, did Jark Bernard Converse make the 53? or No, he's on the PUP. So with the, the PUP, PUP okay. yeah. So for those who don't know, the PUP functions differently than the IR. Uh, again, I, I talked about this a lot on Twitter. I don't know. I'm a nerd for like roster rules because it's it's so Somebody's got to know them. <laughs> it's, it's really complicated, but I just find it so interesting. So the PUP is basically like it functions the same way as the NFI list. Um, Jark Bernard Converse was placed on the PUP because he, well, the difference between the PUP and the IR is if you're, if you practice or play at all during the summer, you can't go on the PUP. Jark Bernard Converse did not practice this summer. He injured, I believe his foot either in OTAs or sometime before, uh, training camp. And because of that, he was placed on the PUP. He was not activated at any point. So he just transferred from the active PUP to the reserve PUP, meaning that he did not have to be on the initial 53 in short, he can be back after four weeks at a minimum. He might not be. Maybe he lasts, Maybe he's on the, the PUP for longer. Either way, he's out for the first four games of the season. Whereas someone like Carter Warren, who did play or practice, he did both this summer, he can't go on the PUP because once you play or practice, you have to. You, you can't go on that list. So the Jets have to wait until 4 p.m. today to place him on IR or anybody else. 
Um, and so that's that's basically the reason in short terms when you hear like roster of gymnastics, that's what's happening. The reason that Morstead and Bodden were released is because they are vested veterans, so they are not subject to waivers. Morstead specific or Bodden specifically, I believe, had like a hundred K in guarantees on his deal. So it's really not much of a loss there. I don't know how much Morstead had, but it probably wasn't very much. They have small contracts. So they're basically just brought back on handshake deals and saying, hey, we're going to temporarily release you before we can bring these guys back. I hope that that makes sense for everybody. Now, uh, as for the wide receivers, again, a lot can change. The Jets roster right now is going to look very different a week from now than how it looks right now. That being said, yeah, Irv Charles is definitely a big surprise. Uh, and it does seem like special teams is the reason he is still on, on the active roster. Whether he is week one, I'm not sure. I think of the three, the safest is Xavier Gibson. I don't I don't see him going anywhere. Uh, he is a very good chance that he is your week one kick returner and punt returner. The Jets seem to really like him. I mean, at least given the way that the his coaching staff and teammates spoke about him on hard knocks last night, it certainly seems like he wasn't really that much on the bubble. Like the Jets were pretty confident they were to keep him. Uh, I'd imagine it's similar for Brownlee. I think Corey Davis's retirement, we talked about this literally live on the show last week when Corey Davis's retirement was revealed, um, that Jason Brownlee could be a major beneficiary of that. Uh, and because, you know, he kind of fills a little bit of a similar similar role. Plus, he can play specials. He did it in in the summer. And I think Robert Sala talked about that as well as one of the reasons he made the roster. So I imagine Brownlee and Gibson are pretty safe. I'm not sure how many of the Jets will keep active on game days, but I imagine Gibson will have a role. Uh, definitely surprising. Also interesting to note that Malik Taylor was not, he's not, he has not been re-signed in a practice squad either to this, to this point. Um, I think when we were talking about this on the show last week, I had Malik Taylor making the team over Brownlee. Unfortunately, he did suffer an injury hand. Maybe it was, I forget what kind of injury he suffered. Uh, and that probably hurt his chances. And I believe if I'm correct, the Jets have one right now at the time of recording, it's going to change. But the Jets have one open veteran spot on their practice squad. And Malik Taylor does count as a veteran. So if he is going to be back, he has to be that that last guy. I'm not sure he's brought back at this stage, but I don't believe they've signed a wide receiver to the practice squad. So I guess we'll see what happens. But definitely a surprising development to see the Jets carrying seven wide receivers. Yeah, especially because we thought that maybe they were leaving, kind of setting the stage for maybe a bigger move that we'll probably discuss later in the show about maybe this kind of revs up the whole trade thing. That could still happen, but yeah, I don't think any of us really expected seven wide receivers immediately, mm-hmm. nor did I expect kind of the quarterback and running back rooms, I think, to kind of shake out the way they did. Uh, obviously, spoiler alert, I'm sorry to ruin it for you. Aaron Rodgers made the team. You know, Sorry to... I know if you didn't look ahead, that could be kind of tough. I know there was a lot of him and hauling about is he Aaron Rodgers going to make the team? He made the team. Whew. Okay, big so, big for him. That's big for him. He was on the ball. There, <laughs> Zach Wilson. I mean, there wasn't really a backup competition. I mean, if they could say there was one, but he seemed like he was the backup the whole time over Tim Boyle. He made it. Tim Boyle did not. They did resign him to the practice squad, and I believe because of that whole Niners fiasco, I think this is the first year too where you can elevate a third quarterback. I think this is the first like full year this has been implemented now because of that. And uh, so probably what's going to happen too, is they can just keep Boyle on the practice squad, maybe elevate him for game day. And then he sticks around. I mean, he's not really going to have probably much, too much of an impact on the jets. If, if Tim Boyle plays this year, the jets are screwed. If he takes one step on a field in a live game situation, no matter how it happened, the jets are screwed. So that's where I'm at with him right now. The running back room uh, is Dalvin cook. It is Brees hall. It is Michael Carter. And as Israel Banacanda, you may notice there is no Zonovan Knight. 
uh, in that running back room. He has been cut, and uh, despite getting some minor trade interest, maybe somebody thought, hey, maybe we'll flip the Jets, you know, a 2025 seventh rounder. We could get Zonovan Knight. Uh, He was not traded. He was not re-signed to the practice squad, and I still don't think he's signed yet. So I know that he was very, I'd say, inconsistent because he just came out like a bat out of hell in his first few games. And then I believe in his last five, he averaged 1.8 yards a carry. Preseason, he looked very average. He fumbled once, and he lost one fumble definitely. I think he also like, had the ball not free another time. So not the best showing for Zonovan Knight. And I, I give the guy respect because he worked hard, and he, kind of, and he made the Jets as an undrafted free agent last year. But I just it, it felt like he kind of regressed to the mean, and that kind of brought an end to Zonovan Knight in New York. Yeah. Um, first with the quarterback stuff, um, I, I was surprised a little bit that Tim Boyle did not make the 53, if only because of the new quarterback rule, because how that works, like the emergency QB rule, is you need to be on the 53. You can't be a game day elevation. They have to be on the 53. For oh, that's right. You're I'm, I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> uh, it's, it's very confusing. Again, NFL roster yeah, rules yeah. are very confusing, and a lot of people are getting that one wrong because it's a very new. This rule. is your fault, 49ers, for making this rule. Yeah. now it's a confusing rule but basically they have to be on the 53 and uh the first two quarterbacks have to both go down with injuries then they can be inserted into the game because they basically they count as a game they don't count towards the active player limit on game days like you have a 47 player active get active player limit and they count as like that 48th player but they're not like yeah, you get it. You understand. Um, so I was a little surprised that he was not on the the 53 because of that reason. But either way, he was going to stick around in one way. It was inevitable. Tim Boyle was going to be on his team. He is the third string quarterback, whether he's on the active roster or the practice squad. Jets just decided to bring him back in the practice squad. That's fine. Uh, running backs. Yeah, I'm not I'm not too surprised with how it shaked out or how it shook out, really. The only like question mark I had. Uh, was if Izzy Abanacanda was going to be ready for week one. And it sounds like he definitely is because he practiced yesterday. So that is great news. The Jets are, again, knock on wood, very healthy right now. Anything could change, but they are very healthy. They We can confidently say, we can say this, they were very healthy throughout training camp because training camp's over. That has already happened. The Jets had a very healthy training camp, and that is very positive. Um, but Abanacanda is on the, the roster. He is not, I presume, not going on IR because he practiced yesterday. So really no surprises there. The only surprise really comes with the practice squad because uh, Donovan Knight was not claimed on waivers, as Mike was talking about. Uh, neither was Travis Dye, but neither of those players were brought into the practice squad. Instead, the Jets signed uh, – how did you pronounce it again, Mike? You I said believe it? it's Zazavian Valaday. Well, Zavian Valaday. Zavian Valaday. I I think when I watched him at Arizona State, I think the broadcast, I think the announcer did say Zazavian. I wanted to say Xavian. That was my. That was what I wanted to say. But I'm going to literally try and look up the pronunciation. I think it might be Xavian. I think the announcer got it wrong then. Maybe. I have no idea. Uh, but, yeah, he – Mr. Valaday. We'll call him Mr. Valaday. <laughs> former Wyoming running back, very fast player. I wonder if that's why the Jets are bringing him in because, like, his calling card is his speed. He ran a 4-4, uh, 40-yard dash. So, you know, he this also Jets had 16 team. touchdowns his last year at Arizona State. So, very those for the goal player. line. Very productive player. Um, and I imagine that maybe the Jets are looking to get a little more speed in their running back room. Obviously, it's a shame that Ty Johnson was cut this this offseason. I believe the Bills just signed to their practice squad, I think. That, um, that was a give-me-the-Jets playbook kind of signing. 
that you honestly like honestly fair point that's a fair point um but i imagine I remember, didn't the yeah. dolphins do that with luke falk or something like that where they signed him like right after the jets cut him probably the bills have also done the patriots have done that too i forget yeah. the patriots did it, but they've, they've 100 done that uh it's a very it's common practice but yeah that's that's i guess the only surprise with the running back room there's still time for zonovan knight to be brought back there's still time for travis die i imagine with knight he's weighing his options i imagine he has multiple practice squad offers out there and he's just deciding which one he wants more, which one he's going to, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever's the best spot for him. Uh, but I, other than that, no real surprises. Dalvin cook is back practicing. So that's great news for the jets. He was healthy. Uh, Brees hall's healthy. The entire running back room is healthy. So great news going into week one. Another thing looking at the, let's just finish off the offense really quick. Uh, looking at the tight end room, I felt like this was on the wall for a little bit, but they kept, Kenny Yaboa over Zach Kuntz. Now, Kuntz has been sent, uh, brought back on the practice squad, and I, I, I'm i just playing favorites maybe because I really liked him as a prospect so much because he was literally the most athletic tight end ever from a testing point of view. I'm like, this guy's got it. There's no way he cannot be good if you're a tight end and you run like that. But it seems like the Jets never really – I don't want to say they didn't give him an opportunity. I just never heard much about Zach Kuntz. I never even saw like a beat writer like, oh, he made an amazing catch, which you saw for a couple of the other guys. So. He'll percolate around the practice squad for a little bit, it looks like. Other than that, you know, Conklin, Uzama, Ruckert, they're all back. Looking at the offensive line, there's no real surprises. I know that Tristan Colon uh, has been officially claimed by the Arizona Cardinals, who are doing uh, – we've heard about tanking a lot in the NFL. Like, I remember the Dolphins the first year with Brian Flores, like when Tua was coming out before Burrow. I think it was the Burrow year. Like, that was the first I've heard of, like, oh, this team is probably tanking because they were losing, like, 40 to 10 every week. I mean, this Cardinals team it's is, bad. I mean, bad. poor. I don't even know what they're going to do because, I mean, Kyler, if he comes back, is going to want to win. And then is he going to win enough to not get Caleb? But or, this isn't the Cardinals press podcast. It's the Jets press podcast. Yeah. But those are just my musings. So Tristan Cologne is gone. Uh, for a guy that actually got some trade interest, the Jets did not get anything back for him. But, you know, this is kind of, this is how these things work. You know, you can't get... You, know, you can't trade everybody. You can't get a conditional seventh round pick for anybody. So would I like to see him get something for Cologne? I feel like he probably would have been a nice guy to stash on the practice squad. But by by virtue of being terrible last year, Arizona kind of got the first crack at him, and now he's a Cardinal. Yeah, no real surprises with the offensive line. I imagine the Jets will carry nine offensive linemen going into the year because Carter Warren is likely to be placed on the IR. Tristan Clone, I like Tristan Clone. I, of course, for those who don't know, I used to cover the Ravens. So I, I watched him in Baltimore for a few years and he was good. Every time he was given the opportunity, he played well. Uh, a versatile player who could play both guard and center. I liked him. I was hoping that the Jets could keep him around the practice squad, but we did hear that there were some trade interests. So as soon as he didn't make the team, I was not surprised at all that he was claimed. Um, although it is, is we, we talked about it before. It is surprising that Zonovan Knight wasn't claimed considering the, you know, the trade interest or whatever, but I digress. Uh, so I, I like Cologne. I hope he does well in Arizona. I think he's an NFL caliber player and it would have been great to have him on the practice squad. Uh, as for the tight end room, I'm not shocked. I, I think with my final 53, I had Yaboa missing it, but he was like the last guy that I cut. And I think it was, I forget what it was, but he was like, the, oh, he was the last guy that I took off the roster. Uh, I did have him making it over Koontz. Like I would have, I would have predicted he would make it over Koontz. Koontz just didn't show enough this summer. Like that's really all it came down to. Obviously the upside is there with him. Like he has incredible physical upside. Like you mentioned, the most athletic tight end ever in combine history. Uh, so 
the Jets are, are thrilled that they have him back in the practice squad because there was, you know, there was some concern that he would get claimed when they cut him. But ultimately, I don't think any team saw a spot for him on their 53. I don't know if he's ready to contribute at this at this stage. So rather than wasting a 53-man roster spot on him, he just wasn't claimed. Um, so I would like to see him continue to develop. I think he's the perfect kind of guy you want to have down on your practice squad. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy he's still with the team. Uh, Kenny Boa, he's there for special teams. That's, that is why he's there. He's there for the same reason that Ashton Davis is there. Likely a large similar reason that Irvin Charles is there as well. The Jets really value special teams. I know that Brant Boyer has a lot of say in uh, roster moves. He has a lot, like a lot more say than your average special teams coordinator. He he dictates a lot because they've kept him around for a long time. He's been there through. Is it is this his third regime? Because he was there with with Bowles. He was there with Gase, and now he's here with Sala. So he's been. Yeah, here I think Bowles brought him up. See, Brant Boyer. Yeah, he's been here a while. Sixteen. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. He's been here a long time. That is very rare for a coach to stay through three regimes. And it says, well, it speaks to one, how highly he, he is regarded in the Jets organization. And two, how much, you know, autonomy they've given him. They have given him some, some roster control. Uh, and I think you see that with guys like Ashton Davis sticking around with guys like Kenny Yeboah sticking around. Uh, so I'm not surprised at all that Yeboah is making it for that reason. And now we can kind of, we can jump over to that defensive side. I think there's no real, you know, any, there's no real uh, surprises with the defensive line, right, Mike? Uh, not for me. I mean, we thought they keep 10 guys. They kept 10 guys. I don't really see any of the 10 guys. So you're like, Oh, this is a fringe NFL player. I mean, all 10 of them to varying degrees have shown that they can play in the NFL. It's funny that the, probably the worst player, you know, worst quote unquote on this line is the former number three overall pick yeah. uh, surefire thing. Solomon Thomas, who didn't quite work out. There's a pro he's probably the, the nominal worst player. Yeah, and that shows you just how insanely deep this unit is this year. So it's going to be fun to watch them. Linebacker and corner mildly surprised me because I know Justin Hardy is nominally a corner, but I mean, he's primarily there for his special teams value. So if you look at that, the cornerbacks are really just Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed, Michael Carter, and uh, and Bryce Hall. And that's that's it. At least for week one. Brandon Echo. Week one, that's it. Yeah. Echoes really surprised me in a league that's getting more DB centric than ever. Four cornerbacks surprised me, but again, they had to do that because they had to keep five linebackers. We were arguing, not arguing, we were discussing rather. Uh, is it going to be? Well, we thought Zaire Barnes was going to make it. We, he seemed like a pretty much a lock. Mm. Then it was going to be: Are the Jets going to move pieces around to keep Chaz Surratt, who I thought played really well in the preseason? He's been a camp favorite, former number three pick, a former quarterback, so very good athlete. And they kept Chaz Surratt, I think a little surprisingly, but they kept him. Now, again, I don't think he's going to be starting 10 different games this year and be a huge impact piece of this Jets defense. But in terms of depth, not a bad signing, not a bad addition. I agree. I, I think that I said this on Twitter, too, and I know some people were surprised that they kept Chaz Surratt. I remember vividly saying on Twitter that I think Robert Sala is going to do everything possible to keep Chaz Surratt on this 53-man roster. Dude loves Surratt. We saw it on Hard Knocks as well, but every time that Salah has been asked about Surratt, his face like lights up. You could just tell how much he loves him. And Surratt is everything that Salah looks for in a player. High motor, super athletic, just works super hard. Obviously rough around the edges. He's a former quarterback turned linebacker. That's not an easy transition to make, but I really, really like Chaz Surratt. And I had him on, the, I had him on my 53 as well, so I'm not surprised he made it, and I'm very happy that he did. Um, yeah, with the defensive line, I think we talked about this last week in the show, but if you stack up the the backups on the Jets defensive line, 
that's as good as a league average defensive line. Like we're talking like if you can if you still consider Jermaine Johnson a backup behind Carl Lawson, we're talking Jermaine Johnson, uh, Quentin Jefferson, Al Woods, whoever you want to pick there, Solomon Thomas, Will McDonald, Bryce Huff, Michael Clemens. Like that's that's a league average defensive line. Those are the backups. Those are the backups. Like those aren't even the starters. Those are the backups. Uh, so it just speaks to how deep this defensive line is. The Jets did bring back Tanzel Smart on their practice squad. Of course, the the Carcucci is the the guy with very peculiar appetizer tastes. Yeah, the the Carcucci hard hard knocks legend uh, is back in the practice squad, which for a remarkable fourth season, this man has been on the Jets practice squad. This is going on his fourth year on the Jets practice squad. That is that is nuts. Like that's actually wild. I don't think I've ever seen a player. I've seen players be on practice squads for that long. I don't think about yeah. one guy on one team's practice squad for four years. I agree. And it's because like the, the fact that you can have veterans on the practice squad, that hasn't been the thing forever. So I would, I mean, I don't know how you would do this research, but I'd love to know if there's a player out there who has been on one team's practice squad for four years. I, I remember the, in the old days, you couldn't be on it for more than like three years. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think it was two. I think you, if you had more than two accrued seasons, you could not be on a practice squad. Now they of course allow six veterans on a practice squad and the remaining 10 can have, or have to have two or fewer accrued seasons. Uh, Tanzel smart is one of those veterans that the, the jets have on their practice squad. Uh, and I'm happy that he's there. I think he's an NFL caliber defensive lineman. He's just buried on the depth chart. Uh, as for the cornerback room, this is a this is a position group I'd keep an eye on because I would not be surprised if we see some changes here before week one. Uh, whether the Jets elevate someone from the practice squad or they sign somebody, I do think that they will have another cornerback on their roster for that Bills game. Do they I keep Jimmy Moreland? He's on IR. Oh, he's, he's on, on IR. Um, yeah, yeah, that was that was a, that was a shame because Moreland I had on my my fifty three. I think he outplayed Bryce Hall. This summer, and those who watch the show probably know I'm a big Bryce Hall fan. I I think Jets fans have been, or I have thought for a long time that Jets fans were were too hard on Bryce Hall, but man, like his stock has fallen, dude. Like he's just he's not he's not it right now. He's not. Uh, and Jimmy Moreland outplayed him. Like he he definitely outplayed him. He deserved that spot over Hall. He also has more special teams versatility. So and we've if, seen Moreland be pretty good in Washington. Yes, he has NFL experience. And I think if he didn't get hurt in that last game, he hurt his hand. I forget what Malik Taylor had. It might have been a hamstring, but Moreland hurt his hand. And if he did not hurt his hand in that game, I think he's on the week one roster. Unfortunately, he is on IR. And since he was placed on IR before the season began or before the, you know, today's deadline, he is officially out for the season, which is a shame. Maybe he can, you know, be released with an injury settlement or something, but you know, that's that's neither here nor there, uh, which is unfortunate. I do think the Jets could make a move here, though. They did bring in Anthony Brown, who that's a veteran who, who started plenty of games in Dallas. They brought him in last week for a visit. I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and sign him. Maybe they sign him to the practice squad and elevate him for week one. Maybe they make another addition. Either way, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I don't think the Jets are done with their cornerback room for week one. Because right now, like you said, Bryce Hall is pretty much your only backup. And if, say, like Michael Carter goes down, who's playing nickel? Bryce Hall's not going to play nickel. Who are you playing in the slot? So I really think probably Jets- DJ Reed would move in. I don't know. I don't want to do that. Oh, is it going to be there for Ashton Davis? No, I think they're going to. I think they're going to sign someone or elevate someone. So, like, I mean, they, like they, in the middle of a game, if it happens, and you have to well, like. I think I don't think they're going to put themselves in that position. I think they're going to either like Anthony Brown is someone who has experience in the nickel. He can play outside corner as well. Uh, at least on the practice squad, who they currently have, Craig James. That's the guy. Like that, that would be the guy I imagine if they do not make any other additions, my guess is Craig James will be elevated for week one. I don't think they put themselves in that situation. Brian in chat says that Amos could be the, the, you know, emergency slot. 
Maybe I, I really just don't think the Jets are going to put themselves in that position. At least I hope that they wouldn't because I don't want to see Amos, Amos in the slot. I mean, they, they, if they're forced to, possibly, maybe it'd be him. Maybe they'd put Tony Adams there and, and have Amos play some safety. I don't know what they would do. But I just hope they're not in that position. I think the Jets will make an addition to their cornerback room. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. And unfortunately, Mike, with safety, your guy Trey Dean, he didn't make the cut. It, and that that's oh, this is Brant Boyer. I have a pick. I have a bone to pick with Brant Boyer. It because again, Ashton Davis legitimately. Again, I liked Ashton Davis in college too. I don't want to make it seem like I'm like a hater here. I thought he was going to be really good at a Cal, and then he kind of wasn't. And he played well. And he played well in the preseason. And he's a hurdler, and I hurdle in in high school. So we got to keep the keep really the quick, really, together. really quick. Not exactly breaking news, but Bam Knight is signing with the Lions practice squad. So he will not be returning to the Jets. Okay. I mean, they don't have a ton of depth behind Jameer Gibbs. Maybe I could see him sneaking into a game or two. I didn't, I'm pretty sure they only have David Montgomery. Him, David Montgomery. And then those are the only two running backs that made their active roster. Am I making that up? I'm not making that up. Those are the only two running backs they currently have in their active roster. So yeah, that's a really good landing spot for him. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I get like Davis legitimately played very well in the preseason. Like, the only guy that I thought – like, I thought Trey Dean against Tampa especially was insanely good, flying all over the field, making the plays. If you were to say, all right, take out Trey Dean, who played the best in that game, I probably would have said Ashton Davis. Because part of his problem – because, number one, he's really fast. He's like He was like a sprinter in college. He's insanely fast. The problem was he just didn't seem – it always seemed like the gears were spinning in his head. And there was a lot, a lot of standing around and where do I go. If he knows where to go now – and he flies to the ball and hits you hard, could be a productive safety. But I think that this ultimately came down to special teams. I think he could be a terrific gunner. He could be really good at kick coverage. And, again, you know what? The, the Jets got Dean on the practice squad. So they obviously – I think that was one of the guys, almost like Jason Pinnock, where I think if they lost him, they would be kicking themselves about how the hell could we let Trey Dean get out of the building. So at least a small silver lining, he's still somewhat in the building. Yeah, I'm very, very happy that they got him back in the practice squad. I immediately had Jason Pinnock flashes when he was waived. Uh, I, for one, never really bought that Ashton Davis was going to get cut. Again, he's just a Brant Boyer favorite, and Brant Boyer has a lot of roster control. And again, say what you want about Ashton Davis. He does play well in specials, and he balled out in the preseason. So I think maybe he saved his roster spot. The only way I think the Jets would have cut him, or the only reason they would have, is because they could have saved, I think, like $2.7 million by cutting him, which is not – that's not nothing, but unfortunately – or not unfortunately, but they don't need that money anymore after, especially after Corey Davis' retirement. I don't think they were really going to go penny-pinching for $2.7 million at this stage. So I'm not surprised that he made it. Honestly, I think Trey Dean was really competing with Chaz Surratt. I, I think that was the guy that they were like – one of these guys is getting a roster spot because they're probably going to go with a decent amount of three safety looks this year. And having a, a safety like Trey Dean or Adrian Amos down in the box is something we're probably going to see a lot, like kind of as that like de facto third linebacker, essentially. Um, but I think Surratt's just one. He's a solid guy. Solid loves him Two special teams. Like, I think that's like the big reason again, that a guy like Surratt made it that a guy like Ashton Davis made it. This isn't to say that Trey Dean can't play specials. I think they just showed more, but I'm very happy the jets did bring him back on the practice squad. Uh, and yeah, there's really nothing to talk about with the specialists, which is great. Like I, this is the most, finally, <laughs> this is the most confident I've ever been about a, a jet special team group. Cause it's not just the kicker. It's not just the punter. It's the long snapper. It's all three of them. I'm 
incredibly confident in the Jet special team group and throw in Justin Hardy, throw in Brandon Eccles when he I, gets back. I don't like this because I'm just imagining Zerline missing three field goals uh, and a two-point loss to the Bills now after this. Who is, Kyer, who is he? Uh, Kari Corey Vedvik. Vedvik. Kari Vedvik. Uh, misses five points in a one-point loss. And Zerline, he's been money all summer too. Like he's he looks locked in. Like I know exactly. This, that's what makes it even more is, concerning. This is the ultimate jinx. I know that, but he looks locked in. Also, we're talking about Morstead. Technically, he's not on the roster at this stage, so you never know. Yeah, but, he'll be back. Uh, he'll it'll be, be back. like in the uh, in when Brett Maher missed like five extra points in a row in the playoffs, and they're like the answer, like, well, there's certainly no way he's going to miss this next one, and then and, and then kept doing it. Oh, I don't want that. I really because it literally Kari Vedvik did it week one against the Bills too. You were giving me flashbacks with that, and I don't <laughs> like that. I, Mike, why would you put that out there? Yeah, that? We all know what happened. What we can't talk about it. <laughs> why would you put that in the universe? Anyway, let's get the vibes about, back up here. I think it's about that time. I, I think it's that time too. With the moment you have all been waiting for, Justin, I will yeah. give you the floor. Of course. So we recently got to talk with New York Jets cornerback, all pro defensive rookie of the year, Sauce Gardner. It was an amazing experience. I'm very fortunate that we got to do it. Shout out to Buffalo Wild Wings because he's partnering with them. He'll talk to you a little bit about it in the, the interview that we are about to play. But this is the, the the world premiere, if you will. This is like it's going live officially on the Jet Press YouTube channel in like 30 minutes at four o'clock. So right around the time we're finishing the show. So if you happen to miss it, it's fine. You can catch it there. But I definitely would say uh, stick around and watch it now. We maybe get a little bit of an origin story behind the the Aaron Rodgers Sauce Gardner handshake. A little bit of other stuff we're talking about. I don't want to spoil too much, but uh, yeah, Mike. Whenever whenever you're ready, we can play it. All right, let's roll the footage. What's going on, folks? My name is Justin Fried, and I'm joined today by New York Jets All Pro cornerback and reigning defensive rookie of the year, Sauce Gardner. Sauce, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm great, man. Can't complain. How about you? I'm doing great. I appreciate you joining us. Uh, so you're today, you're here today on behalf of Buffalo Wild Wings. So before we kind of dive in, why don't you tell us a little bit about your partnership with them? Uh, man, I don't even know where to start. You know, um, obviously you probably know about the sauce sauce, you know, as well as a lot of the fans out there, you know, it's just been great being able to partner with Buffalo Wild Wings. You know, it's been very fun and creative, you know, and it's just a true blessing, you know, Having a nickname like me, you know, uh, I wouldn't want to know other way, you know, because I grew up always going to Buffalo Wild Wings to just watch sports. They always just had a lot of TVs in the restaurant, you know, just being able to watch basketball, football, whatever sport was on. You know, that's that's all I really cared about, you know, growing up. Um, like I said, it's been very fun and creative. You know, speaking of that, I just had an undercover uh, shoot that I did with Buffalo Wild Wings. You know, they had a creative way of just me trolling fans. You know, I went undercover as a B-Dubs waiter. You know, I went by the name of D-Roy. You know, I actually won Defensive Rookie of the Year. So, you know, that made sense. And I um, was just trolling fans in a lot of ways, eating nachos, eating food off their plates. You know, just doing stuff to that I thought we, I thought it was going to make them mad because I know the type of stuff that would make me mad, but... No, not they didn't really get too mad. Some of them got a little frustrated, not too mad. And um, my favorite part about that, I would probably say, you know, um, what did I do? Yeah, I'll probably just use me um, when I pour when I pour my sauce all over somebody else's wings. You know, they had a whole different flavor, but I pour my sauce sauce all over their plate, and they actually still like the sauce. They didn't really. Get mad 
about me doing that, which is very surprising, but you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I got to say, I've tried the sauce sauce and it's pretty good. So I, I don't know if I'd get mad either. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about the Jets' upcoming season as well. And, you know, it's impossible to do so without talking about your new quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. So what has it been like working with Aaron this summer? It's been great. You know, him just being able to be someone that's been in the league for a long time and seeing everything that I've that I seen and the stuff I didn't see and uh, still just being able to relate relate to me, relate to uh, me when it comes, especially when it comes to football and different looks. You know, giving me the tales that he have on me when it comes to me playing man versus zone, my body language, where my eyes are at, you know, little stuff like that, you know, that plays a huge role in um, the disguise of our defense, you know, so that's why it's been great just having somebody like him around because, you know, it's certain things that I wish I could have known last year, you know, that he'll make me a better player, you know. I get I got defensive rookie year and all pro, but you know, knowing a little stuff like that would allow me to make a lot more plays because <clears throat> the way that Green Bay tried to attack me is the way that the rest of the teams tried to attack me. And um, I didn't know that last year, but after Aaron told me, I just looked back on how the games went, what percentage throws were thrown at, thrown, um, at me, what routes. You know, just being able to see that, I was like, hey, I wish I could have known that last year. We made a lot more plays. I mean, you still made plenty of plays, of course, defensive rookie of the year, but absolutely, man. Uh, now, now, you and Aaron not only have a unique bond, uh, but a unique handshake, right? You know the one I'm talking about, of course. What is oh, yeah. the origin story behind that handshake? Um, I don't really know. He really came, he came up with it. You know, it's not nothing too serious because it's not... It's not you can't think too deep into it because like I never smoked smoked or drunk a day in my life. So, you know, that's it's definitely not nothing on that those lines. But it was just something having a little fun, you know what I mean? It's having a little fun. I can't even explain it. You had to you had to ask Aaron of something that I, I like and I just roll with it. You know, um he told me somebody, I think it was a soccer player, I think somebody hit a goal and actually did it with his teammates. So I got to text him and tell him to send me the video. It's been great. You know, I've been seeing college players, high school players tag me in it. Been good vibes, though. I I think it's catching on. So you're saying basically he came up with it. Was he also the one that came up with the idea to, like, put it out on a teammate? And I guess also, like, have there been any funny reactions to that when you've done that? I don't know. I don't know if he he came up with anything. No, I think I came up with that. I think at the beginning, I don't think I don't think it was like that at the beginning. I think I came up with that. Yeah, but it's been it's been it's been great. It's been fun for sure. Definitely. And you know, we've all gotten to see that that handshake and your relationship with Aaron featured on this year's season of Hard Knocks. What has it been like having the Hard Knocks crew following you guys around all summer? Man, it's been great being able to just build that relationship with them. You know, and they just um the way I think about it, they just Recording the beginning process of a long journey, you know, a long journey is going to be it's going to be hard. Nobody ever said it was going to be easy. I'm just looking forward to it. You got people who think like that. You got the people who think it could be a distraction. But, you know, I'm always going to take the positive part, you know, and everything. Definitely. I mean, hey, look, as a Jets fan, I'm looking forward to it as well. So I, I feel you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Another moment that we saw on Hard Knocks this summer was your college graduation, graduation, which, you know, of course, congratulations on that. What was it that made you decide to continue pursuing your degree even after entering the NFL? Uh, I'll say uh, just knowing that I motivate the youth. You know, um, a good parent is always going to tell their kids to finish school. You know, my mom told me that, you know, um, and I'm sure the youth, I'm sure their parents is telling them the same thing. So if I'm the one, if I'm their idol and the one motivating them, I feel like I got to do it as well, you know, because you don't want to have the kids going to their parents, hey, Sauce Gardner didn't finish school, so why do I got to do it? You know, I just, I wouldn't want me to be the, the reason why they don't finish school, you know, because it's not always going to work out, you know, when it comes to the NFL. So, yeah, that was the main thing, you know. And I'm also just knowing I made a promise to my mom to, to graduate, you know, that was the promise that I made to her uh, for her to really support me going to um, declare for the draft after three years because she wasn't for it at the beginning. But, you know, me just being able to meet her in the middle, you know, that made it a lot easier for me. Um, yeah, I got it done pretty, pretty fast. Yeah, man, that's that's awesome. And now you can be the reason that hopefully a lot of other kids follow in your, you know, in your in your footsteps and graduate themselves, which is awesome. Uh, uh now, you've only played one year in the NFL, but you've still gone up against some really talented wide receivers. Who would you say, if you had to pick somebody, who would you say has been your toughest matchup so far? Can't pick nobody. You can't. This is hard. It's hard. I can't, I can't pick nobody. You'll probably have to ask me after a couple more years or something. I don't know. Because, like, when people be so quick to pick somebody, it's like, it's always subject to change. You know, somebody just might not be giving it they all one game. Somebody might be giving more they all than somebody else. So it's always subject to change. That's fair. That's fair. Would you would you be able to give a few, maybe any 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 names at all? If not, that's all right. But you know, just any um, names. Yeah, uh, Justin Jefferson was good. Tyreek was Jalen Waddle, Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis. T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Mari Cooper, George Pickens, Deontay. See, it's like I'm gonna just be naming everybody. All of them was they was pretty good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean they're in the NFL. They gotta be great. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Definitely, man. All right. That's all the time I got right now for you. So, uh, Sauce, I really do appreciate you taking the time. I know you got a busy schedule, a jam-packed day. So I really do appreciate you joining us. Appreciate you. Of course. Best of luck this season, man. Hey, as a Jets fan, I can't wait to see you in that Super Bowl. Thank you, man. There you have it. That was Sauce Gardner. Uh, I don't think I need to tell you guys this, but Sauce is the man. He's obviously awesome. Uh, he's a great dude. Great talking with him. And yeah, look, I, you know, I, I think I said it at the end. I'm looking forward to seeing him in the Super Bowl this year. That's that's all I got to say. <laughs> just, such, just such a cool, like, like humble dude, too. He really is. He, as a cornerback, you don't think that he could have gone to his head and been all sorts of man. Dude just loves working in football, man. Mm-hmm. What, Love a, what a guy. The whole thing about going back to, to school because he doesn't want to be the, the, the role model that people look to and say, oh, look, Sauce Gardner didn't, didn't finish school, so I don't have to do it either. Dude is awesome. He's one of the most down-to-earth, 
athletes that I've ever spoken to. Just an, an incredible human being on and off the field. Obviously, one of the most talented players that I've ever watched play this sport, but just an, also an amazing person off the field. Cannot say enough about enough great things about Sauce Gardner. And again, shout out Buffalo Wild Wings. I know Sauce talked about it a little bit in the, the interview. Uh, I believe the, the the video itself is up on their uh, Buffalo Wild Wings YouTube channel. It's very funny if you haven't seen it. Sauce is undercover as a waiter. He's he's going by the name D-Roy, you know, defensive rookie of the year, of course. Uh, and, yeah, the part where he just kind of pours sauce all over the, the the plate of one of the people is very funny. And if you haven't tried that sauce sauce, it is very good. I would It's like a smoky – but it's, it's like it's got spice in it, but it's not spicy. Yeah. So. It's it's like a spicier, smoky barbecue. It's very good. I, I had it last year because, uh, you know, why not? I, I found myself in Buffalo Wild Wings. I'm like, I feel, I feel like I have to do this. Uh, so, yeah, shout out the sauce. Shout out the Buffalo Wild Wings for that. And Shout out to the it. Desert Heat Dry Rub, which is one of the best chicken inventions <laughs> this side of the Mississippi. I, I'll have to try it, I guess. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah. I, guess, I also got to try Nick Mangold. Nick Mangold's got like a line of like barbecue sauce out in nice. I can't find them anywhere near me, but if some some kind listener wants to mail me a bunch of bottles of barbecue sauce, we could we would happily do a taste test for our buddy Nick Mangold. So for sure, as a cheap plug, I also I interviewed Nick Mangold like a few years ago. It's it's somewhere up on the Jet Press. You can probably find it. Not video. We didn't have a YouTube then, unfortunately. But there's probably an article out there you could find somewhere. Uh, but yeah, if you missed any of that, it is going up live on our YouTube channel at 4 p.m. Eastern time today, so you can check it out there. Before we get into our last segment, Mike, I do have a little bit of a special message from our friends over at Caesar Sportsbook. Now. I do. Caesar Sportsbook hey. is kicking off the NFL season with a new bet $50, get $250 in bonus bets, limited time offer. New users can sign up with our code FSBETS20GET and redeem $250 in bonus bets after placing your first wager of $50 on any NFL game. Even if your first bet loses, you will receive one $50 bonus bet credit each week over the next five weeks. Make sure to enter our code FSBETS20GET while signing up to have a bet on Caesars every week for the start of the season. That's code FSBETS20GET. That's fsbets 20 G-E-T. I know it's a, it's a mouthful. It's a lot. If you're watching live, I believe it's on the screen as well. Uh, if not, you heard me say it a couple times. This offer is only available to new, new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of our offer. Hell yeah, we did it. Let's go. All right, Mike, what is our final segment today? Well, now that we're off sauce and we're into a less uh, culinary-themed segment, Ooh. which is trades. Because trades in the NFL, until you know the final bell sounds and the trade deadline, there's always going to be stuff percolating. There's always little moves being made. So if we're looking at the Jets, who I think are going to be very active in trade talks as part of that whole Aaron Rodgers ethos of you get him whatever you need for a championship, which I, I love that they're doing, not only just because they're winning, but Aaron Rodgers now has to feel like, God, I've been asking Green Bay to do this for eight years, and they never did it. The best they did was they got Zadarius Smith, who's on, on defense. That, that year they spent him and Preston Smith. I mean, finally, I'm getting some guys. What if we're looking at guys? If I did like pick one or two out of a hat, where I'm like, I could just, you know, genie comes out of a bottle. I'm talking to Robin Williams, who's the genie in this analogy. I'm like, all right, you know, genie Robin Williams, can you grant one of these wishes? I have two guys immediately at the top, completely different stylistically and physically, which shows you how great the NFL is that these both these two guys can be so great together. One of them being Mike Evans, Mike Evans, who 
I know everybody brings up the thousand yard streak and people kind of make fun of it because there's a couple years where he has like a thousand and two yards or like a thousand and fifteen yards, but that consistency through all because remember for Brady, it was Jameis Winston, it was Mike Glennon, it was guys getting hurt. He didn't always have great quarterback play, and he's always produced, he's always been a red zone threat. He's performed in the postseason. He's a champion. And who better to be an X receiver now that Corey Davis is gone than a guy who's six foot five, 230 pounds, runs like a gazelle, is still strong. If he gets a full head of steam for yards after catch, I mean, good luck bringing him down if you're a 5'11, 190 pound cornerback. And Tampa used him like that, I think. I don't think they used him as much when Brady got there, but I remember under Arians, that's when they were really letting him do that. And the results are pretty, pretty spectacular. So. Evans, I think, could be had maybe later in the year because I think there's some part of Tampa that wants to be like, all right, let, let's roll with Baker Mayfield in this weak-ass division. Maybe we can get a weird six-game run where we go four and two, and who knows what will happen. Once, If that doesn't happen and the deadline comes around, might need to start looking at Mike Evans a little bit. Uh, the other one being Darnell Mooney, who was recently put on the market by the Chicago Bears. Uh, a little bit surprisingly, but... It's it's kind of weird looking at Mooney because he was a thousand yard receiver during Justin Fields' rookie year. Luke Getze comes in, and while he actually led the team in receiving yards by a wide receiver, because Cole Komet was the leading receiver, he had under 500. Which I know that like there's Fields wasn't particularly accurate last year, and they didn't throw the ball at a high volume. But if you're going from 1100 to 500, and your yards per game goes from somewhere in like the mid 60s to the low 40s. Like part, some of that's the quarterback. Some of that is just physical regression from the receiver. And Mooney's like 5'10". He's on a good day soaking wet with 10 pounds of sand in his pants. He's probably 175 pounds. So I don't know if maybe just the physicality got to him that year. I don't know. But if he thrives super fast, super quick at the line of scrimmage, good hands. Like for a guy as small as he is, he has made all sorts of tough contested catches. He's a guy where I think the Jets can not only acquire him, and he could be a real difference maker. Like, I think he's kind of in that Lazard tier of receiver. I think if they get him, they would also probably wouldn't have to give up a top pick. I know the Bears stupidly gave up the number 32 overall pick for Chase Claypool. I think the marker was a little bit inflated at that time. You could probably get Mooney for like, I don't know, maybe a third and a fifth or something like that. Maybe a fourth, maybe two fours. I don't think that's outrageous for Darnell Mooney. Yeah, the Darnell Mooney trade rumors are weird to me, right? Because Look, if I'm the Chicago Bears, I'm not, I don't want to trade Darnell Mooney. I don't know why you would want to trade Darnell Mooney. You're trying to develop a young quarterback in Justin Fields. I think he's your second best skill position player. You have you have DJ Moore now, but other than that, I mean, who else are we talking about? Cole Komet? Like who, who, Khalil Herbert? Like who are we talking about in terms they of? They must money? love Tyler Scott. I mean, I love Tyler Scott pre-draft. Adam's like a top 50 guy, but I mean. Sure. But Darnell Mooney's a guy who has, he's had 1,100 yards in, in a season two years ago, right? I know you talked about his, his down year in production last year, but also there wasn't a single receiver on that Bears team that had over 600 yards. So nobody was producing in that offense. I don't think that was really a fault of Darnell Mooney that much. Also, he missed like five games, so that also played a role in it. If Darnell Mooney is out there and he's actually on the trade market, that is someone I definitely would love to see the Jets get. 
I think he's better than Alan Lazard. I think he's a tier, not about a tier above him, but I think he's a better overall player than than Alan Lazard. Did Alan Lazard like like beat up an ex girlfriend of yours or something? Has Alan Lazard ever put up eleven hundred yards in a season? No. Al, Darnell Mooney has. Like I think Darnell Mooney is definitely a better player than Alan Lazard. He's also younger. He's still in his rookie contract. I think he'd be he'd be a better player than Alan Lazard. I think I don't know. I would say he's a wide receiver too. I think Darnell Mooney is absolutely a wide receiver too. I would not say that that is true for Alan Lazard. Uh, so I would absolutely love to go out and get Darnell Mooney if he is available. Uh, we could talk about Mike Evans a little bit too because that is definitely one of the pipe dreams for the Jets. Like that's not a move that they are going to make before week one. If they go out and trade for Mike Evans, it'll likely be closer to the trade deadline. I think of all of the pipe dreams out there, if you throw in like Devontae Adams or whatever, Mike Evans makes the most sense because he's on the last year of his deal. Tampa is very likely not going to contend this year. I know that their division is not very strong, but look, they're starting Baker Mayfield, at quarterback. I, and they have like what, 15 rookies on the roster or something like that. Half of them undrafted. I don't expect Tampa the, to be very good this year. So it's totally reasonable to, to assume that come the trade deadline, the Bucks might be looking to, to shed some players. I know Mike Evans loves Tampa Bay. He loves playing for the Bucks. I don't know if he wants to, to get out of there necessarily. I think he's, I think he would be fine sticking around. Maybe they 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 extend him, they restructure it, whatever. He just Larry uh, Fitzgerald's it and sticks around forever. I can see that happening. I can totally see him doing that. But if he wants to play for a contender, yeah. if he wants to catch passes from Aaron Rodgers, I'm sure the Jets would not hesitate to make an offer there. It, it, it reminds me of, or would, and if it hypothetically happens, like when the Rams got Odell Beckham, the sure. year they won the suit. Sure. I feel like that's the kind of kind of impact level they would be looking for and you know what it, it worked for the rams yeah it did and i think mike evans makes sense to me the other pipe dream of course is Devontae adams adams i think is a lot less likely to be traded than mike evans that being said if he's traded at all i think it's the new york jets i don't think there's another team out there that that Devontae adams is going to be traded to again it would take the raiders having a pretty bad start to the season like they would have to have a disastrous start which hey man it's the raiders they downgraded a quarterback. They got Jimmy G at QB now. It could totally happen. I could totally see the Raiders starting off like one in five and come the trade deadline. Maybe Devontae Adams wants out. Maybe he wants to go play football with Aaron Rodgers again. I could see it happening. He shoves another cameraman and he has to evade charges. <laughs> right. <laughs> Financially, it's a lot harder to trade for him than it is Mike Evans. They can make it work. The Jets have a ton of financial flexibility thanks to Aaron Rodgers, thanks to Corey Davis' retirement. They absolutely can make it work, but it is a lot trickier to organize and, and arrange a Devontae Adams trade than Mike Evans, considering Evans is entering the last year of his deal. Uh, that being said, again, if Adams is traded at all, I think it would be to the New York Jets. So those are like the pipe dreams. I'll throw out another name for you, another wide receiver who I've talked about on Twitter a little bit, Michael Gallup. I think Michael Gallup makes a ton of sense as a replacement essentially for Corey Davis. Now he has not been the same player since his injury. I mean, I don't have his stats pulled up yet. I should have done that. Uh, but he's had a couple of seasons in a row. Yeah, he has not had 500 yards in the season since 2020. Uh, obviously part of that was, was him being injured. Uh, and I think it makes sense that Dallas could look to move him. Now his contract is a little annoying. I don't like his contract that he's on. A little annoying. You got the patience of mother Teresa over there for calling that a minor annoyance. Well, this, this year's cap is not very big, but it does rise to around 14 and then 16 million over the next couple of years. I imagine the jets could try and rearrange or, you know, restructure some of that, have Dallas eat some of that money. It could happen. I don't know how motivated the Cowboys would be to move him, but I do know that they just went out and they brought in Brandon Cooks. So he's already behind CeeDee Lamb. He's behind Brandon Cooks in the pecking order. 
I don't know what that offense is going to look like, but I imagine Michael Gallup is not going to have a super large role. Uh, they also have a couple of younger receivers on their roster as well. I, I think they would like to get playing time. Mike McCarthy also said after he stupidly let Kellen Moore go, it was like, we're going to get back to the basics and run the ball more. So they said that Jalen Tolbert, that's the guy I was thinking. Jalen yeah. Tolbert had a really strong summer for them. And I think they would like to give him a larger role. And if that's the case, maybe they're motivated to move Gallup, you know, especially if he's not contributing a ton again, he has not been the same player since his injury. So if you're expecting 2019 Michael Gallup when he also had 1,100 yards, I wouldn't be expecting that right now. But I do think that he would be a solid addition to a wide receiver room that right now has Randall Cobb as your wide receiver three. So I, like, I've been very vocal all offseason that I thought the Jets should have been more aggressive with their wide receiver room. Of course, it's now been been amplified by Corey Davis's retirement. But you know, you got Alan Lazard as your wide receiver two, and I don't think he's a wide receiver two. Nicole Hardman is basically your four at this stage, and Cobb is your three. If Garrett Wilson, knock on wood, were to go down with an injury, that is not a very good – that is a very, very bad uh, wide receiver room. I do want to say that Brian pointed out in chat uh, about Michael Gallup's cap hit. He said Gallup's 2024 cap, to a, cap hit to an acquiring team would be under $10 million. So there you go. They can absolutely make it work. Yeah, I should have looked more at the, the details of the, the contract. I think I did when I first talked about it on Twitter – but I'm honestly forgetting now. Um, but it's definitely something that they could consider. Uh, I, I would have loved Kendrick Bourne. Like that was kind of my my top pick. I think he's a really underrated receiver. Uh, also, of course, has experience with Robert Sala dating back to their San Francisco days. It just doesn't seem like the Patriots have any desire to move him. And if they do move him, I don't think it's going to be a chance. But I would love in a pipe dream scenario, not like pipe dream like Devontae Adams level, but in a more realistic pipe dream, I would love Kendrick Bourne on the Jets. Yeah, I mean, he Belichick's not trading anything of. I mean, the most we've ever gotten was, I'm old and I'm about to. I mean, rest in peace. I'm I'm old and I'm about to retire. Demarius Thomas. Yeah, that was the most we ever got from him. So Kendrick Bourne is, I think, out of that too. Evans, like, you keep saying pipe dream. Like, to me, Adams is pipe dream. A- Adams is like twelve things have to go wrong, and then Adams can ask out, and then Jets could get him. Like Evans feels very realistic. Like I know he likes Tampa, but like also. Beat Mike Evans. You were just playing with Tom Brady for three years, and you went, you know, Super Bowl, close to it, win the division in three years. And now it's Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask, and then you're probably going to get uh, maybe Drake May. So you got to deal with a rookie, and then that comes up. Like, is that how you want to spend your 30s as a receiver? Or you want to spend over there on Rodgers? You can it like depends. Tampa all you want, but I mean. <laughs> yeah, that's like it all just depends on how much he wants to stay in Tampa. Like from what I've seen and heard, I think he really likes the Bucks and he would be motivated to stay there. But if the if the Bucks aren't motivated to keep him around, and if you know maybe he, he dreams of greener pastures and potentially contending, I don't know. I mean, he has his ring. Like that's the thing. He has his ring already. So it's not like a Dalvin Cook situation where he's like, I want to win a Super Bowl. I want a ring. He does already have that under his belt. So I don't more. know. You can always want more. Of course you do. I don't know what his motivations are. That's that's kind of why I still say it's a pipe dream, but. Yeah, we'll see, man. I think it's more realistic than Adams. I agree with you there. Right. So with that, we're going to call time in this episode of the Jet Press. Thank you guys for tuning in, however you may have tuned in. Thanks to Sauce Gardner for stopping by for a nice little interview with Justin on behalf of Buffalo Wild Wings. So if you want to see more Jet Press content, you want to find our whole back catalog of episodes, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it may be that you get your podcasts, that's where we are. YouTube, the Jet Press, TikTok, the Jet Press. Both of them starting to pop off there a little bit. Make sure you subscribe. Take us home, Justin. Absolutely. I'll echo a lot of what you said. And of course, check out that Sauce Gardner interview that should go live pretty much right about now. We timed that out very well. So if you missed that earlier in the show, 
definitely check that out on our YouTube channel. And speaking of that, thank you all for joining us on the show today. You can follow Mike on Twitter at ByMikeLuciano. You can follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Freed. Follow the Jet Press at the Jet Press. Download the Jet Press podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also, check us out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, hit that notification bell, TikTok, all that stuff. You guys know what to do. We stream live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you all for listening to the Jet Press Podcast. I have been Justin Freed. That has been Mike Luciano. We also have That Was Sauce Gardner. We'll see you guys next time. See you folks next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.